Welcome to the Mom Philly You podcast. I'm your host, Chastity Holcomb, trauma therapist and fellow mama of two. And after years of clinical experience helping hundreds of people heal their childhood wounds, I'm here to help high achieving Christian moms end the cycle of passing hurt to their children and pass emotional health to them instead. I believe the generations shift when moms heal. So on this podcast, we trade perfectionism for peace and go from striving out of fear to abiding in God's provision and we turn your formed identity from childhood wounds into your born identity in Christ. Heaven wants you healed, not just for you, but for the generation that comes through you. So come on in, grab a blanket, and let's lean all the way in. The doors to my new program, Mom Unwounded, are opening on September 20th at the end of my free life class. The roadmap to healing the root of your perfectionism and ending the cycle of passing down childhood wounds. Listen, the joy I have is bubbling and overflowing because I am so excited for your opportunity to join me. This program is for you if you're a high achieving Christian mom who's experienced deep hurt from your mom or your dad, whether that is emotional or physical abuse, criticism, shaming, and or manipulation, and you find that is contaminating your marriage and your parenting today. And not only do you want that to end, but you also want to redefine what it means to be a mom in your family, not by striving towards perfectionism, but by abiding in God's provision for you. With the support from me, a trauma therapist with over 10 years of experience that can give you the knowledge of how to heal your childhood wounds by ending your perfectionism, but also the experience from healing my own father wound and how to be able to do it practically. You will, in this program, assess your unique path to breaking the damaging mother-child relationship dynamic, learn what key messages from your childhood wounds are driving your beliefs and patterns today, identify and regulate your emotions without judgment. So controlling your kids and criticizing your husband isn't your default. We're also going to learn how to disarm your triggers so that you can stop living out of the fear that you'll lose control at any moment. You're going to learn how to communicate your needs before resentment has the opportunity to creep in. And you're going to learn how to put that independence crown down and trade it for peace. Lastly, creating guilt-free boundaries with your extended family that doesn't have to force you into doing a no contact rule if you don't want to, all while infusing prayer and biblical principles throughout the process to help you get to your healing. You'll have everything you need to end perfectionism by healing your childhood wounds. Inside of Mama Wounded, we believe that generations shift when moms heal. And so in order for us to do that inside of this three-month high-level group coaching program, you're going to have spirit-led and evidence-based interactive trainings with laser focus and individualized coaching for your specific questions. To help you implement the training, not only will you workshop with me live, but you'll also complete what I call peace plans that enhance your learning so you can see results faster. And to put the icing on the cake, okay, you'll be surrounded by God-glorifying, cycle-changing, high-achieving moms in our private safe space community where you get daily coaching check-ins, and accountability. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one inside the program, you'll also have the opportunity to choose the VIP track until spots are filled. Okay, 
last thing. When you join Mama Wounded, not only will you get the lifetime access to the trainings, the three months of the live coaching support, but if you apply and join within 48 hours, you'll also join me live for our burnout bootcamp. I've told you this before that high achievers with childhood wounds are more likely to be trapped in the burnout cycle because they try to heal through doing, right? So I'm going to teach you how to maintain your ambition without sacrificing your sanity. You're going to have the time of your life restoring your life. If that sounds like music to your cycle breaking ears, I would love to support you inside of Mom Unwounded after the free life class is happening September 20th. The investment for Mom Unwounded is a reflection of the high caliber, deeply enriching transformation that you'll receive inside and outside of the program. With a one-time investment of $24.97 or four monthly payments of $6.87, this healing is not only for you, but the generation that comes through you. Start by registering for the free life class by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to momfullyyou.com backslash roadmap. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get into today's episode. Y'all, I was out here trying to be Little Miss Perfect Patty, okay? I was a people-pleasing Paula, an anxious Annie, a producing Pamela, all the things. And I didn't understand why I was all of these things or trying to be all of these things um, until a little later in life. And so today we're going to talk about how, how this girl, this trauma therapist that has been talking to you <laughs> about trauma wounds and all the things and how it's showing up today and how it intercedes and, and connects and all the things with perfectionism. I'm going to talk to you today about my own experience from going from perfectionism to peace. This journey, if you will, of healing um, my father wound. And so uh, you'll hear my kind of vulnerable side today. I know I've talked about it before, but just like how I, even with the, the knowledge of what these things are, how this truly is a healing journey. And if I can do it, I promise you, I promise you, you can. A big why of doing and launching the program Mama Wounded, working with clients around, you know, their childhood wounds um, is because I get it. And it's not just a place of like, I've read it, right? Or I have worked with clients who have it. It's like, no, me, <laughs> me. Uh, yep, this is me, okay? So um, I have told you guys before, but I my parents got divorced uh, when I was in the fifth grade. My mom told me, my sister and I, that they were getting a divorce by way of newspaper. I was in the fifth grade. So I was reading by that time, right? We read by fifth grade. <laughs> Actually, yes, because these kids, my child, my oldest, Judah, she's in kindergarten and they, they want them to be reading. So I don't know. I don't know if we was just behind back then or these kids are ahead. I don't know. But obviously I was reading by the fifth grade and my, I live in a very, very small town. You have to understand there are like five stoplights in my town. We ain't got no Target. We got a Walmart. Okay. Um, we don't have restaurants. We got like one Mexican restaurant, a Pizza Hut, a McDonald's, a Dairy Queen, a Sonic, a KFC. Like I can name them all. That's how we, we that's just it. One high school, one primary. All this is very, 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 very small. Shout out to Ripley. Um, but at the time, I'm sure they still do it um, to this day. In the newspaper, they will put in there all of the, you know, um, 
marriages that happened that week, all of the divorces that happened that week, any crime that happened in the, in the town, they would put that in there. The graduations, like they would literally list all the names of the people who graduated. Um, the scholarships that got, I mean, that's how small it was. Okay, y'all, it could fit in this newspaper article. But anyways, uh, I was in the fifth, fifth grade and I'll never, never forget it. We were coming back from school, I believe. Let's come back to school. Either we had just got home from school or we were getting ready to go to bed. It was like one of those transition times, right? And my mom calls me and my sister um, back to her room and she brings out this newspaper and she had circled in the newspaper where it says, you know, her and my dad had got a divorce and it was official, you know, on that day. And she's just kind of pointed at the little, you know, newspaper situation. And she's like, yep. So, and as a, as a person in, in the fifth grade, how old are you in the fifth grade? I don't know, like 11, 10, 11 as a 10 year old, I'm thinking, okay, what is a divorce? Why are you showing me this newspaper to tell me about the divorce? Because you have to understand that before they got a divorce, they were they were separated, right? I don't remember a time when my parents were um, in the same house, right? We lived in Tennessee. He lived in Mississippi. Sometimes he would come um, down for a weekend or something like that. But he it was always a separation that was happening. So I'm like, okay, like why why does this make things different? I, confusion, right? The, the key point there is that even though it, nothing changed from a perspective of like him being in the home and then now he's not going to be in the home anymore, even though nothing changed about that, there was this kind of shift of like, this has been sprung on me without any additional information, right? And now I cannot imagine having to tell my kids that their dad and I are divorced. I can't imagine having that difficult difficult conversation, right? It's like talking about divorce, talking about a death of a family member, um, talking about tragedy. Like those things are difficult, difficult. We lean on the professionals <laughs> heavily in those moments. Like coach, give me the words. I don't know what to say, <laughs> right? But in that moment, I think, well, I know, I know I needed something more than a pointing in a newspaper. I needed some explanation, some, this is not about you. And if you are a product of divorce, right? Your parents were either never together or at some point during your childhood, they ended up getting a divorce and you never got the explanation as to appropriately, right? Like, you know, I think sometimes, um, parents can pin the other parent or pin the child against the other parent right so they want to tell all the glory he did this and your dad is just at this and your mama did you know so that can that that's inappropriate right they give you too many if too um too much information that you are not you should never have to carry so first of all if that was your experience I get that right but the other side is like there does need to be some kind of healthy conversation around um, what this means, right? What this means for you, what it meant for me in that moment. And I didn't get that. So I did what most kids do when some form of tragedy or some form of abuse, some form of disconnection, divorce, separation, um, 
when we don't have explanations as kids, we come up with our own reasoning. And nine times out of 10, that reasoning is, it's me. I'm the reason my parents got a divorce. I'm the reason my dad can stick around. I was too much of a burden. I was too much of a responsibility, right? I'm, I'm the reason that this horrific experience happened to me. Maybe it was something that happened outside of the home. Sexual abuse by a neighbor, a teacher, someone that the family trusted, somebody at church. I'm the reason that it happened. If we sweep things under the rug, children, nine times out of 10, will give their own reasoning to it and it's going to be about them. So that's what I did. It's, it's me. It's me. Now at the time, obviously, um, I didn't verbalize that, but I definitely internalized it. I internalized it. So it turned me into this people pleaser of like, whatever you want, I'll do it. I'll put on this mask and I'll be great at anything I put my mind to. And I won't have to depend on anybody to get there, which caused me to have a lot of anxiety. But the anxiety helped me get good grades and be the president of my class and be in student council and all on the this and the that. Uh, yeah. And so it, it was rewarding in a sense, this phase that I was operating out of. It was rewarding. So I was like, oh, it's just probably who I am now at this point. I have no dad. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. And I'll, let me just interject this part. I think that a lot of us, um, especially when we're high achieving, we've gotten to this point in our life where it's like, coach, I've got receipts. <laughs> I've got the receipts. We don't want other people to pity us from our stories, right? It's one of the reasons why we don't want to share it in the first place. I don't want you looking at me with sad puppy eyes. I'm good. I'm strong. You don't know me. I got receipts. But that very kind of thinking of, I don't want you to pity me. It means that there's something in our story that needs to be understood from your perspective, not from the perspective of what other people think about you, but from yours. And the longer you hold on to it, the longer it fuels the fire of perfectionism, the longer it fuels the fire of then eventually passing these wounds down. Okay. So people pleasing, anxious Annie, producing Pamela, all the things. Right. So when um, I got into college, I've shared this before, we had to do um, counseling as a part of our um, as a part of our studying. Like, coach, you gonna expect people to tell you about all their deepest secrets. You need to be able to do it, too. OK, we get in there, we're talking and she was ringing up my dad and my parents. And I'm just like, man. <laughs> I don't understand why we're here, though. Like, there are so many other things that we could be talking about. And she just kept circling. And it just kind of hit me. It's like, oh, I actually have been impacted by that. It wasn't just, oh, I see the 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 um, article in the newspaper circled. And like, that's it. That chapter, that door is closed. This has actually been following me and been present with me this entire time. Right. I didn't understand that the behaviors, the people pleasing, the anxiety, the trying to produce and overachieve that I was actually running the entire time. What does the psalmist say? She's a runner. She's a track star. She gonna get away. I don't know. I don't know who sings that song, but I, the moment I heard the lyrics, I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. They own to something. (laughs) They own to something. Okay. Running. Running from what, though? Running from vulnerability, running from the fact that um, 
my father, who was not involved in my life, actually did impact me. Like I've heard throughout childhood, don't give him that much power. I heard that specifically um, during a breakup, right? My mom tells me, you don't, don't you let him see you crying. Don't give him that much power. <laughs> but it's, it's, this, it's this essence, this thought that if we admit that we've been hurt by someone, then somehow we have surrendered our strength and we are weak and we've given up all of our power when actually the opposite is true. We give away our power and we give away God's ability to step in and be who he is, the ultimate healer, the ultimate protector, when we decide that our story isn't worth telling, that it doesn't matter, that it didn't impact us, right? So I was running. Maybe, you, maybe you've been running too, okay? But I didn't want to... In all of my running, I didn't want to give anyone else the reason or even the option of abandoning me, right? I'll be the perfect friend. I'm going to be the perfect overachiever at work. I'm going to be involved in every single thing. I'm going to know the things. I'm going to look around the corners. You're not going to fire me because why would you fire your best? (laughs) Why would you get rid of your best friend? Why? And pause here. If you haven't listened to the episode, um, here I go again, y'all. Is it your is it your personality? Is it your gift or is it trauma or your childhood wounds? Go listen to that because I talk about how not everything comes from trauma, that there are things about you that God placed in you a long time ago. But trauma does have an entrance. Um, in the way that that is expressed, right? So I think that I've, I've just like you, have had this bug of big goals a long time ago. But it was backed by fear and not by faith, right? And so that fear was driving me to overdrive, to overperform, to overproduce, to overplease, all the things, overprotect. So once I kind of got grips to this is actually happening, Um, And I started to go to therapy. So I went to therapy in college and then was in and out of therapy and still am. um, I still do have a therapist um, at this moment. So here are some levels that I went through on my healing journey that I extend to you and want you to be aware of, Um, because I think it's important that you not think that there is this one destination because you're going to be highly disappointed when another moment comes and it triggers you speaking of triggers, (laughs) um, we'll get to that point. The first thing that I had to do was to admit that I was in pain in the first place, admit that there was something, um, under the surface that was driving my patterns and keeping me in cycles, keeping me in making certain relationship choices, um, keeping me anxious, even when there was nothing to be anxious about, or the anxiety that that I had from one thing was transferring to my kids, transferring into my marriage, right? All of these different um, cycles that were repeating. I had to admit that those cycles derived from pain. I first had to admit it. I first had to be honest, open my mouth and admit it. There's a lot of shame that we carry with our stories, right? If, if, if something terrible happens, you know, say someone, um, 
a, a tragedy happens right in front of your eyes, one of the first things you do is you take your hands and you cover your mouth. <gasps> it's like I've just witnessed something bad. I've just seen something bad. And the instinct is to keep it to yourself by covering your mouth. It's too big for words, right? I've had so many kid uh, clients that um, were so afraid to talk to me about what they had seen or witnessed or happened to them because they didn't think adults could handle it because usually the adults in their life would tell them, uh-uh, no, 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 don't talk about that. It's fine. You're fine now. You, you got loving friends and family here with you, sweeping it under the rug. So they thought that their story was too big for words, right? And then they meet someone like me who was like, no, it's okay <laughs> to, to, to tell me that. I won't make this big, um, this big fuss about your big emotions. I'm here with you in those emotions. I'm here with you in your story. Then you start to see things change, but you can't see the change if you don't tell the story. And if you're not present with yourself in the pain and that sounds easier said than done, but God is with you. God is with you. We, we talk so much about David, how he was after God's own heart. And yeah, he did some shady stuff, okay? But one of the things that he did the best was he was honest. He was honest about his experience. Even Job, the things that man went through. Ugh, count me out, coach. I don't, don't sign me up for that one, okay? He was honest. And he still had the faith knowing that God was with him through it all, right? Don't rob God of that experience of being there for you because you don't want to open up your mouth and be honest about it, all right? The other part, um, the other level is addressing my triggers. So in order to address your triggers, you actually have to know what they are in the first place, right? So taking the time to um, assess what are the things in my life that make me revert back to perfectionism, make me revert back to people pleasing, make me revert back to anxious thoughts that keep me up or feeling like if I don't get this done right now, I'm a failure. I'm lazy. Like what triggers that inner critic now that that's identified? What's going to keep me out of the cycle of once I am actually triggered, right? We, we throw being triggered out a lot. But in order for you to be triggered, you have to be triggering something. <laughs> you have to be calling something from the past, something that has already happened into the forefront. So we loosely say, oh, I was so triggered. Okay, but what did it trigger? And why did it trigger it? When I started understanding that my choices in relationships with boys at the time, okay, little boys, <laughs> Okay, they were men. They were they were they were men. Um, but my choice in if they were not emotionally available, how I was like, okay, you just wait, okay, because I got some tricks up my sleeve, and you, I'm gonna get you, okay. We're gonna we're gonna be all right. You're not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna teach you how to be soft. I'm gonna teach you how to commit. Like, what in the world is that about? What is that about? Why? Why was? Um, someone having emotions that were shut off, why was that uh, attractive? Why, why was that something that clicked off to me? Like, I, I, that's, that's the one, that's the target, <laughs> right? 
or when someone said bye or the relationships, whether platonic or, you know, in, in that type of relationship, feeling like if they said bye or, or the relationship ended that it just crushed my whole world. Now it is sad when things come to an end, whether it was a healthy relationship or not, it is sad because there's a part of you that has been intertwined with this person. Right. And so it, it, there's a lot of grief involved in that, but I'm talking about your whole world, your whole world is crushed. What is it reminding you of? That, well, that's what I had to ask myself. Right. And then after being triggered, once identifying what those triggers are, getting myself out of those um, thought patterns, getting yourself to a position to where, yes, thoughts are going to come. And yes, you probably will still be triggered by certain things. But what's going to happen after? What's going to be the response? Are you going to allow your thoughts to be kind of what I call parking thought thoughts or driving thoughts, parking thoughts? You sit with them, you figure out, nah, I don't think you're going with me to the next destination. You're going to stay in the parking lot. I'm going to keep moving, right? Or driving thoughts. They never, ever leave um, their position behind the wheel of your life. They're driving you to make certain decisions in relationships towards yourself at work. They're giving you all the anxiety and telling you that you need it. Nah, don't you go make no f- new friends because you already know that once people, da, 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 you, they can't be trusted. You're good where you are. That's a driving thought. A parking thought is, oh, I haven't had any new friends in a long time. And you, you know, you can't, there's a lot of little shady people out there, but you know what? I, I have my boundaries as a backup. I'm gonna move forward. Parking thoughts versus driving thoughts, right? And then celebrating, which is kind of the last level, celebrating wounds turning into scars. I do believe that, well, for one, wounds are unhealed. They're unhealed, it's still sore. It may even still be bleeding. And because it's still sore and it's still bleeding, it's interrupting and disrupting every aspect of your life without you even knowing it, which is the crazy part. We'll just think, oh, this is how I am. This is how relationships go. Da, 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 da. In the other, um, a previous episode, we talked about the finish line boundary, right? So you'll just be thinking that, oh, it, this, this, um, this whole healing thing is not actually what I can do. So I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to actually reach it. So I'm not going to even set myself up for failure in the first place. Right. But wounds, um, they still hurt. They're still sore. They're still impacting you at every turn. But scars, however, you have that mark, what I call these permanent markers, right? You have this mark on you from the experiences that you've had you can't take away the past I wish we could I wish we would just be like God can you just like surgically remove that thank you (laughs) oh Paul talks about the thorn in your side right um but scars are there as reminders of what you've gone through they're reminders of how has been how God has been with you ultimately how he's been with you But scars, when you rub your hand over a scar, the skin over the scar feels different. It's not as sore. It's not, in most cases, sore at all. It's just there as a marker of something happened here. But it's not going to keep you from 
living your your life in the way that you want to live it. It's just sitting here. It's just a reminder. It may not be the best reminder, but that's all it is. It's not a disruptor of your life, right? So celebrating the fact that, man, in the past, I would have put up a stone cold Steve Austin wall, okay? Shout out to you if you know the reference. I would have put up a wall by now. I would have just gone about my day and not even cared, right? Or I would have given in to what other people wanted me to do out of fear of losing that connection with them. But on this side, I stuck, I stood my ground. I stuck to my values. I stuck with my finish line boundary. Celebrating that is going to help you continue on the journey, right? Of turning that wound into a scar, praising God, being thankful um, to God and his guidance. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with me every day, for helping me to remember you and your hand on my life from the very beginning. From the very beginning, right? So these levels of healing that I went through, um, and though my dad has passed away, he passed away um, in 2012, I believe. He passed away in 2012. And although there definitely have been moments where I've been triggered by that hurt. So for example, really quickly, because I'm the time is running. Um, <laughs> my, um, my husband was talking to the girls about their granddad, his dad. And then Judah turned to me and she goes, mommy, who, who's your dad? You don't have a dad. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> that's right, baby. Mommy doesn't have a dad. Right. And just saying that is like, Oh my goodness. The triggering of that, right. The sadness that comes over that I don't have this experience from my dad that I can give to them. Right. That is a trigger. But in that moment, it's like, what are the thoughts that are going to come from this? How am I even going to teach my girls about this? Not from a place of, you know, people are just rude and da 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 and just go off, you know, go off and pass down hurt and, and hate to them. No. What is my scar in this moment versus my wound in this moment? Yeah. The foundation. Um the foundational work rather inside of the first phase of mom unwounded is learning how to turn these wounds into scars. It's learning how to be honest, to address the triggers, to have those parking thoughts versus those driving thoughts and beliefs from your childhood wounds so that you can move forward. You have to take a step back in order to move forward is how it goes. <laughs> in all my years, it's how it goes. Okay. So um, a week from now, the doors are going to open um, inside of Mama Wounded. And I hope you are one of the people that I'll see inside of the program. Um, but join the live class is happening on September 20th so that you can benefit from coming live and asking your questions, not only from um, about the program, but about um, how you can end perfectionism, getting to that root of it. And I promise you, I'm going to be teaching. It's not, I'm not going to be talking about the program the whole time. I'm going to be teaching you about how to practically do these things. So come to the live class and then join me inside the program after. Okay. I like going deep with people. So this program is very high touch. And so you'll get a taste of what that looks like during the live class. Listen, I hope to see you there. 
And today was fun. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you for holding space for my vulnerability and my story. And I hope in some way it's been encouraging for you, right? So it's been fun today. We're going to do it again very soon. But until then, take care.